Life Audio. Hey, friend. Thanks for listening to the Compare to You show today. I'm Heather Creekmore. Glad you're here. Today, we're talking about something that most of us who have struggled with our body and have maybe started to try to find some freedom have experienced. And that is this phase where you're kind of depressed or maybe grieving your body. If you've ever felt that way, today's show is for you. We're talking about what to do when you're depressed over your body, what to do when the grief comes, and maybe most importantly, how to recognize the grief so you know it's normal and you know there's not something wrong with you. I think you're really going to get a lot out of today's episode. Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you make peace with your body so you can savor God's rest and feel his love. If you're tired of fighting body image the world's way, Compare to Who is the show for you. You've likely heard lots of talk about loving your body, but my goal is different. Striving to fall in love with stretch marks and cellulite is a little silly to me. Instead, I want to encourage you and remind you with the truth of scripture that you are seen, you are known, and you are loved no matter what your size or shape. Here the pressure is off. If you're looking for real talk, biblical encouragement, and regular reminders that God loves you and you're not alone, you've come to the right place. I hope you enjoy today's show and hey, tell a friend about it. Today we're going to talk about three things to do, or really three things to remember when you feel depressed or you feel grief over your body. Now I'm going to be really honest with you. This topic comes from where I'm at, where I've been at this whole weekend. It was hard. I felt depressed and burdened. And part of it may just be my changing hormones, like this midlife hormonal change stuff is real. But the other part of it I know is just a continuing part of my own body image journey. You see, part of the journey to freedom involves grieving the past. And this past week, I've been doing that. I've been grieving the loss of my youth. Like it's strange when you finally reach the age where you know you'll never look young again. When you reach the age when you realize like the only place aging is going to take you is older. There's nothing you can do to stop it. Truly. Like you can mask aging, but you can't stop it. Like that's kind of where I'm at. But I also stumbled upon a bunch of old videos from when I first started this ministry. And it's really crazy for me to see myself in them because I remember how very real my struggle was. And I watch these videos now and I remember hearing those voices that told me not to post those videos because I was quote unquote too fat in them. And now I look at them and I wonder how in the world that woman ever thought she was too fat. And then that stirs up these feelings of guilt and of loss because I didn't appreciate my youth or my size when I had them, and those things will never come back. And then I think of all the time I wasted stressing over pictures I hated of myself, but then I happened to look at some of those pictures this week, and I couldn't believe just how skewed my vision of them actually was. In fact, I look at those pictures, and I feel the pain of being a woman trapped in body dysmorphic disorder and an eating disorder who had no idea what she was experiencing and feeling and doing to her body was anything but normal. 
And I really wish I could have been rescued from all of that earlier. And yet I don't think that would have been possible. I don't think I would have listened if you tried to tell me. And, you know, that's just one of the grand things I've noticed with coaching women. God is always faithful to work with us on these issues when he knows we're ready. So if you're listening today and you're trapped in all the things I'm talking about, know that God just needs you to have a willing heart. He is so gracious not to push our freedom journey in ways that are too far out of our comfort zones. Now, let me put just a little caveat on that. God doesn't want us to hang out and sin ever. So as soon as you feel conviction that your body image issue may be an idolatry issue, he wants us to take care of that right away. There's no biblical justification for staying in sin. But in terms of the journey of relating to food and our bodies differently, there's a lot of grace for that journey to look a lot of different ways. So one of my commitments to you through this podcast, through everything I do is authenticity. I never want you to think that you're the only one who struggles or that something is wrong with your journey if it's hard. Even as a body image coach, I'm careful to be real that freedom is awesome, but freedom doesn't mean that you'll never have another negative thought about your body. Instead, freedom means knowing what to do when those negative thoughts come. Freedom means knowing what to do when you start to sink into the black hole of body image woe. See, part of freedom is just learning and knowing how to preach to yourself. And then the other part of freedom is doing the hard work of actually believing the truth, God's truth about your body, your value, and your worth. Now, hear me, my friend. Just because you believe these things and you know how to fight, it doesn't mean that your default mode may not still be believing the things you used to believe. Like in some ways, I think healing our relationships with our bodies is kind of like the process of a woman who's trying to heal her relationship with a husband who's cheated on her. It's, it's sort of like that. Of course, your body didn't cheat on you, uh, but we've been conditioned not to trust our bodies or not to trust ourselves around our bodies or even not to trust God on issues related to our bodies. And sometimes this conditioning has happened for decades. Diet culture teaches us to trust it, trust its principles and trust it alone. And the only way we know if we're doing it right, quote unquote, right, is we're following a plan. And so trusting God, trusting our bodies outside of one of those plans is really uncomfortable. But just like a woman learning to retrust her husband, it's going to take a lot of faith We have to believe that God is bigger than our body issues. We have to believe that he's the one ultimately in control. He's the one ultimately keeping us safe from hurt. Even if we felt like keeping our bodies small was keeping us safe from other people's negative opinions of us or our own negative opinions of us, really only God can guarantee our security and our safety. But trust is exactly what's required. And before you can trust, you have to grieve, just like the woman who's trying to rebuild her relationship. One of the important steps to that is grieving the loss of trust 
before you can rebuild the trust. And it's the same with our bodies. What's one of the strangest part of this body image journey is the grieving. And now I wouldn't have always called it that. I didn't know to call it that. But now I see how clearly this process we go through with our bodies and making peace with our bodies, it is a grieving process. Now, before I go on, let me emphasize something. You see, something always has to die in order for something new to be birthed. It's our salvation story, really. Like Jesus had to die and rise again so that we could be born again, so that we could be reunited with God and forgiven of our sins. Back in the Old Testament, before Jesus came as a sacrifice, they had to sacrifice animals. And that sacrifice was necessary. Something had to die in order for things to be set right again. Friends, it's the same with our body image journey. That idol has to die in order for us to be made right with God. We have to sacrifice all of our body ideals on the altar and say, okay, God, not my will, but yours be done. And I'm including my body size and my body shape in that equation. God, what do you want from me in this arena? So scripture talks about using our bodies in this way as a living sacrifice. It's in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. It's a very famous passage. And it starts off with that verse where we are to offer our bodies to God, not as dead sacrifices, but as living vessels. Keyword being sacrifice. And we've said it's all on the altar. Now, God, tell me what to do. But then the very next verse kind of lays it out a little bit further, and it's really interesting how these two things go together. The next verse, verse 2, Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind. And then it goes on to talk about how that's how we'll know what God's good and pleasing will is. Friend, if you want body image freedom to blossom in your life, if you want to feel freer to do what God has called you to do, if you want to spend less time stressing over your body size and shape, to feel more loved, more free, free to love and free to be loved just as you are, then something has to die before this new kind of life can be born. And that something is the body image idol. Now, in my book, The Burden of Better, I talk about this idol as being another word for our ideals. The ideal me is an idol. Why is she an idol? She's an idol because she sets a standard for me that is not determined by God, but is determined by me. She tells me that life will be better and more peaceful, more rest-filled, more joy-filled as soon as I meet her demands. As soon as I lose the weight, get the muscle tone, get the surgery, stop looking so old, whatever it is. But her promises are false. The set of ideals is just an idol telling me to worship it. And by worship it, I mean give my attention and allegiance to it. I worship when I look at something more than I look at Jesus. Or when I believe something here on earth can save me in a way that Jesus can't. All of these are ways we worship. And this idol of our ideals begs for our worship. We'll dig into this more right after a quick break. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. 
Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So before the break, we were talking about how our idols of our ideals beg for our worship. Now, if you're not sure if that's the right word, maybe it doesn't sound true to you, I want you to ask yourself these questions. Ask yourself how much time you spend secretly thinking about your body or food, but your body and how to change it. There's a famous quote I used to use all the time when I would speak, and it goes like this. What you think about in your solitude is your religion. Now, it's a quote by Archbishop William Temple. And for me, the truth was I spent most of my quiet time, most of my brain gray matter was devoted to my food and body issues. So my religion was around body size, diet, how to change my body, exercise. That was my religion. And that's where I spent my free time thinking about how to change my body. And what I had to do in order to find freedom was I had to let that religion die so that I could embrace my true savior so I could find my real faith in Jesus. But again, did you hear it? Something had to die. That idol had to die. And where there is death, there is loss and there is grief. And that's where we're going to land today. I want to give you three things today that you can hold on to when you're feeling depressed or when you're grieving over your body. These three things I pray will help you on those days or those weeks where you're not sure if you want to keep fighting. Those days, those weeks when you'd rather give up, you'd rather starve yourself, punish your body, and just try to make it conform to the size and shape that you want so you can feel better and just make all the awkward body thoughts go away. Friend, if you've thought that, I get it. But that's not where real freedom is. So we're going to dig in to those three things to remember. Ready? Thing number one, there are many aspects to grief and grieving isn't linear. Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross famously wrote about this years ago. She constructed this model that included five stages of grief. Now, they were never intended to be linear stages where you go from one to the next to the next and then you're free, right? It wasn't supposed to be like that. It's just supposed to be these different ways that we grieve and how we kind of bounce between them. Now, when we talk about grief, I just want to throw this out there. Like grief doesn't RSVP to let you know it's coming. Grief, grief shows up when you least expect it. Grief shows up when you're listening to a song on the radio or in terms of body image grief, grief can show up when you see a cute dress in the store and you know that won't work on your current body. These five stages of grief, according to Dr. Kubler-Ross, are as follows. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Now quickly, I'm going to just do the best I can to explain each one. Denial, oh, that's where we all start. That's when you're saying, it's fine. I'm fine. No one here is bothered by their body. It's when you try not to think about it. And in a way, I think we all start here, right? Part of what I do with clients is I try to get them to take their eyes off their bodies and focus above. But what sometimes happens in this process is they start ignoring their bodies. Like they decide my body's not important anymore, so I don't have to think about it. 
And in doing so, they can kind of enter this space of denial. I think this is why most 12-step programs or famously Alcoholics Anonymous starts with not denial, right? But that recognition of, hello, my name is Heather and I'm an alcoholic. Or hello, my name is Heather and I'm a body image addict, right? Um, But you can't be in denial anymore. But part of grieving is denial, And then there's anger, right? We've all experienced anger. We get mad that we let ourselves get to this point, quote unquote, we let ourselves go, or we get mad that things are hard for us when they seem so easy for others. Why am I the only one that has to struggle with this? Why am I the only one that has to worry about their body image? Like, why am I the only one fighting this body image idol? We get mad that we can't just snap it all away, or we get fired up that we're doing it right by ditching diets and, you know, knowing the truth about the body image idol and everyone else is doing it wrong. <laughs> like We're just angry when we see diet commercials or when that woman whom we love decides not to eat at a meal. We want to like assault her with all of our knowledge of disordered eating things. Okay. Maybe that's just me. I've <laughs> been there, done that. Right. But anger is a real part of the grieving process. Maybe you've experienced it. And then there's bargaining. Now this one is interesting. And most people, I don't think, realize that bargaining is a part of the grieving process. So my friend Tara, who runs our Facebook community, is called Body Image Help for Christian Women. Go check it out on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, you need to be part of this community. Body Image Help for Christian Women is what it's called, again. But Tara revealed last week, it was kind of weird. It was similar timing for both of us. But she was talking about how she was grieving, how she was feeling this depression. And here's what she posted on the Facebook community. She said, okay, God, I've learned my lesson. I know that I've made my body an idol. I get it. Now, can you just help me shrink it back a little bit so I can feel less uncomfortable in my skin? So I'll worry less about what others will think. You know, but of course, Lord, if you do this, I'll keep you first in all of this right? Oh, I've done it too. Oh, I get it. Tara, I've done the same thing, right? We make these bargains. We try to bargain. We bargain with God. It's because we're desperate. We'll do anything to make the pain go away. And sometimes in the bargaining, we feel like if we could just go back to our old bodies, then the pain would go away. Or if we could go back to our old ways, the ways that we followed when we were serving the idol, then the pain would go away. But this is so deceptive, right? Because the truth is, at least for me, I know I had pain then too. I had a lot of pain then. And for most women I coach, there was never a body size where they actually felt content. It's just now at a different body size, we are tempted to believe that that old body size was better than we recognized when we had it. And if we could just go back there, then we'd feel content. Even though we didn't feel content the first time we were there, we're sure that this time we would feel content and we start the bargaining process. But friends, smaller bodies don't take away the pain that we feel when we are struggling with body image issues right? And this bargaining, recognize that bargaining is part of the grief. And when you find yourself riddling around these things in your brain, just pause and say, oh, this is grief. This is grief talking. And know that you're okay. Know that you're normal. And know that this is just part of the process. The fourth stage of grief is depression. I think that's where I was this weekend. And it seems like from the discussion on the Facebook group, maybe several of us were in that spot during this last month. Depression, of course, is feeling lonely and sad over where we're at. 
you know, part of me wonders if there's a seasonal aspect to this, right? Like we want to blame our bodies really quickly when we feel upset surrounding them. But I think like I talked about in a previous episode, we can tend to miss what's really making us sad, what we're really frustrated about or struggling and blame it on our bodies and just internalize it all as feeling the issues as body image issues when really there may be something underneath the surface. I also wonder about seasonal affective disorder. That's a real thing. They call it SADS. And when it's just cold outside and dark for months and months, everything gets gloomier. And I wonder to what degree body image issues just kind of glom onto that. For others, like where I live, you know, we've had some 90 degree days in the last couple of weeks. I wonder if it's just the fact that spring and summer are coming. It feels imminent. And there's this recognition of the expectation to wear less clothing and the pressure that brings back to us the spotlight that shines on our bodies, on our size, on our wardrobes. I wonder if that's part of what makes some of us depressed or sad around this. But know that depression is just a part of the grieving process. And then the final, the final stage I'm going to talk about, the fifth stage, is acceptance. And yes, let, let me make this clear. Acceptance is a stage of grief. Acceptance isn't what happens when you're all done with the grieving. It's not a place you land and you stay there forever. It's a stage. So that means you can live in body acceptance for months and then bounce back to depression or bargaining or even denial or anger. Acceptance means that you're starting to feel a new normal. Acceptance means that you're starting to find a new normal. You're starting to have good body days and that you're starting to make peace with living a life free of body image obsession. Acceptance should not be your new idol though. That's not what we're living for. We're not living for body acceptance. We're living for Jesus. Acceptance won't save you any more than losing weight could. But instead, acceptance can be a healthy part of learning to trust God with your body and saying, like we talked about in Romans 12, 1 and 2, God, this body is a living sacrifice. I may not like how it looks today. I may wish it could look different. I may struggle not to believe untrue things about what changing my body would or could do for me. But today I will humbly accept where I'm at. And today, God, please give me the courage to keep doing this, to keep accepting my body every day because you've made it, you've called it good, and you have a purpose for it. So friends, there's five different stages of grief. And when you find yourself struggling, when you find yourself depressed or grieving, I want you to remember these five different stages. Even when you find yourself frustrated, think back, listen to this episode again. Oh, wait, is that just one of the stages of grief? Because it has this power to really disarm what those thoughts do to us, right? Because those thoughts was like, oh, I'm doing something wrong. I need to change something. And when you can just be like, oh no, this is just grief. This is normal. It really helps bring a sense of calm in the middle of the struggle. Point two is staying single focused or sober minded. So let me explain this a bit. I was in church on Sunday and I literally felt like my brain was kind of just like my computer. It's like that funny meme you've probably seen where there's like 18 windows open and I can't figure out where the music's coming from. But that was my brain Sunday morning during church. And I was bouncing back and forth between worshiping God and then sorting through all kinds of different things in my brain. Like lots of thoughts, some negative, some neutral, but they all demanded my attention. 
And in truth, they all demanded my attention away from God in that moment. And I kept doing this thing mentally where I try to shut each window, like shut the thought out and focus on God. And every time I'd feel better for a second, but then another one of those windows on my brain's computer screen would just like pop open and then I'd have to shut it too. And finally, where I arrived was I started remembering that if I can keep my eyes on Jesus, all of the other things don't feel as important or as worrisome or as burdensome. It's like that old hymn says, then the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And isn't that the key to body image freedom? Seeing our struggles with our earthly body, a body that, praise God, we only have for our years on earth and one that will be replaced with a glorious heavenly body when we die, when we can see this as a temporary struggle. Ooh, That's a sweet part of freedom. But let's go back to that passage in Romans 12. We talked about verses 1 and 2, but interestingly enough, verse 3 in this passage talks about not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to, that we should view ourselves with sober judgment. Now, I always interpreted that as just kind of being mellow when you think about yourself. Like, don't be pompous and arrogant, obviously. Like, don't be too excited about yourself or how you look or how you act in Instead, be sober, like maybe a little brooding and dramatic, or maybe even a little like Eeyore, like, oh my, I guess I'm all right. But Dr. David Packer describes sober judgment like this. God gives us a measure of faith to face the challenges of life. Sober judgment means that we see ourselves from God's perspective and the world from his vantage point. Christ first, others second, and me third is God's way for us to think. Self-centeredness is the enemy to avoid. Others say that when scripture says sober-minded, it simply means to live with a single-minded focus. Okay, so what's our single-minded focus to be? It's, it's just what Packer said, right? Seeing the world from God's perspective, thinking about Christ first, other second, me third, single focus on Jesus, being sober-minded means keeping our eyes fixed on him. That's what squashes all those thoughts. It's not getting the body that we want that will squash the thoughts. That's just the lie of the idol. It's getting our eyes off of ourselves, or as Tim Keller says, it's the freedom of self-forgetfulness, keeping us sober-minded that will help lift our depression. I mentioned Tara's comment on Facebook in our Facebook community, um, Body Image Help for Christian Women, but she says it so beautifully. I'll read just what she's written. Tara says, God, can I love and follow you with all of me, heart and soul and mind, and have a smaller body too. But God whispers to me, you cannot serve two masters, my daughter. And so once again, I'm praying and surrendering. Friends, we're called to be single focused, but the body image idol wants us to have two masters and it will never work and we'll never find freedom trying to make it work. Okay. So point one was 
being aware of knowing the different stages of grief. Point two is being single focused or sober minded in our judgment. Point three is remembering to praise. So Psalm 73, it's a Psalm of Asaph. Asaph was kind of like a King's counselor meets Chris Tomlin. He wrote songs and he advised both King David and King Solomon. I write about Psalm 73 in my book, The Burden of Better, which you can start reading for free, by the way, on the Compared to website. So check it out. Download the first chapter, two chapters actually, um, and start reading it for free because there's a lot of good stuff in there if you struggle with comparison. But Asaph is actually looking out his window as he writes the song or the psalm, and he's comparing himself with others, and he's despairing. He's depressed. He's down. He's wondering if following God is even worth it because it seems like everyone else is doing better in life than he is. Ironically, he looks out, he sees how fat bodied everyone else is, and he thinks that's not fair, which is kind of funny in our culture, because I think if ASAP were to write it now, it would probably say something like, I look at all those thin toned bodies around me, and I think it's not fair. <laughs> but anyway, isn't this what happens? When we start to find ourselves depressed and despairing over our bodies, we have to stop and ask ourselves, how or what has been going on? in the comparison department. Now for me, I had to stop and realize that I'd been spending a lot more time on social media the last few weeks. I was on there for business. I was on there for this podcast to help you find my episodes. But those increased hours were having an impact on me. Likewise, I've been watching more television. Now there's not a lot of good TV on today, but I've kind of gotten hooked on an old sitcom. I love to laugh when I watch TV and the sitcom's called The King of Queens. But there's a lot of diet culture language in that sitcom. A lot of dieting talk as the main character, Carrie, tries to talk her husband, Doug. It's Kevin James's character. She's always trying to talk him into losing weight. At least one show a season is dedicated to losing weight. Um, of course, it's interesting. I noticed that at the start of one of the seasons, Doug had lost weight through cutting out all carbs, which I think happened in real life. And they wrote it into the show. But it's interesting by the end of that season, he looks like he's back to his regular shape and size. So I guess it wasn't effective long term. That's just a little shout out to maybe diets really don't work. But I had to become aware of what I was watching, what I was looking at, because that was playing a role in how I felt. Instead of praising, I was panicking. But praise is really the thing that can lift our spirits better than anything else. Let's look back at Psalm 73. Vaseph says this, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Now, of course, Asaph is aging and he's, he's saying that even if he dies, even if his body gives out, his heart gives out, even if he falls into temptation like he had, right? Comparing himself to others, God is still a strength in his portion. But I love that word fail in there. And I think of how many of my clients feel like they are failing in their bodies because they haven't been able to keep it at a certain size. This is the language we've adopted, friend. The thinnest success and fattest failure. But I love how Asaph, who didn't necessarily know he was writing for women with body image issues in 2023, he says if his heart and his flesh or his body fail, God is his strength, the strength of his heart. God is his portion. In other words, God is enough. 
just Jesus. You don't need Jesus and a better body. You don't need Jesus and to lose another 10 pounds. It's just Jesus. The key to lifting our depression is praise. It's worship. It's turning our eyes and giving our worship to the one who deserves it. The only one who deserves it. Our bodies have received enough of our worship, enough of our attention, enough of our gaze. And navel gazing always leads to depression. Whether your navel is wearing a size four or a size 40, it will never be enough. We'll always feel empty. We'll always feel hollow. We'll always want more. Only Jesus is enough. So when you want to lift the heaviness, do like Isaiah says. The prophet Isaiah says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Oh, do you feel heavy? Do you feel depressed? Do you feel just down? Then lift up your voice to God, worship him, praise him, put on praise music, listen to a good sermon by a preacher who's not afraid to talk about struggle in the Christian life. Get in the Psalms, read your Bible. All of these things can change how you feel about your body right now today without you changing a single thing about your actual body. Worship, my friend, is the key. If you're depressed, if you're down, if you're grieving, turn to worship. That is where your salvation is found in Jesus alone. Well, I am so glad you're here. I truly hope that this has been encouragement to you, uplifting to you. If you are feeling depressed or grieving of your body today, I'd love to hear from you. Drop me a line, heather at compared to me, and just let me know. Also, coaching is open. If you're really struggling, let's work together on this. Let me be a friend to you. Let me be a mentor, a discipleship partner to you to help you through this struggle. You do not have to struggle alone. And I think you'll be surprised at what a difference just a couple sessions could make in your life. Now, I'm restructuring my coaching program where we're going to do things a little differently. But for right now, this month only, you can still get in the old way. So if you want to just grab a session or two, do it. Let's talk this month and see if we can set you on a different course, a different way of believing and thinking about your body so that you can start to taste some body image freedom now before summer comes. Well, I'm so glad you listened today. I hope you are too. And I hope something in today's episode has helped you stop comparing and start living. The Compare To Show is proud to be part of the Life Audio Network of Christian Podcasts. For great Christian content on topics you care about, check out lifeaudio.com. Oh, hey there, before you go, if something from today's show blessed you, may I ask a huge favor, leave a review on your favorite platform. Seeing your five-star reviews is a huge encouragement to me. Not sure how to do it? You can go to compare to who.me slash podcast, scroll to the bottom, and you'll find all the information. And while you're at compare to who.me, check out some of the more than 500 articles on there about body image, comparison, all the things you're thinking about. Plus, you can find out more about my books, or you can grab a time for a free 10-minute call to see if coaching is right for you. I'm so honored to be a part of your journey out of body image and comparison frustration. 
transformation. And I can't wait to hear how God is working to set you free. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. We hope to better equip you to be salt and light for your community. Uh, We hope that we can help you to go out and be a reflection of Jesus Christ to those around you, uh, to your friends and your family, and especially to those that do not know Christ. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.